0: Hallelujah. And Father, we bless you. And we will just keep praising, praising you for coming to live in us. For greater is he that lives in us than he that is in the world. For whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Thank you for the blessed Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus, for coming to die for us. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for coming to live in us. We want to thank you for another glorious day today to worship, to praise, and to receive from you. This morning, we ask that you rain down the spirit of revelation, That our soul will be in alignment to your will and purposes for us. For your word declares that we should not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but that we should be transformed by the renewing of our minds. We are here today. James 1.21 declares that we should lay aside all naughtiness and superfluity of wickedness and receive with meekness the engrafted word of God, which is able to save our souls. This morning with an unveiled face as we behold us in the mirror of the glory of God, and we are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by your spirit. Minister light to us, minister life to us, and let us encounter you in a fresh way today. Let these words come not only in word, but in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance. There will be healings, deliverances, breakthroughs, and open doors. The peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard our hearts. And we will be empowered to do more for your kingdom. We thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Glory to God. Glory. Please be seated. This morning, I trust that you are going to have a very good time with the Lord. A lot of unbelievers here. I said this morning, I trust that you're going to have a good time with the Lord. Glory to Jesus. All right, so today we're going to um, close very much on time. At least today, by the time we're done with second service, it it should be 12 on the dot. We go for one hour break. If you have some food to eat, you go and eat quickly. You come back from 1 o'clock to 7 p.m. We are praying. Tell somebody we are praying. praying. Now, the rule is that if you are a a, a Havinian, your your minimum time to finish the prayer is 3 p.m. If you're a church worker your minimum time to finish the prayer is 4 pm you can still go more but i'm just helping you i'm just saying it to help you because if not some of you will be angry and if you are a minister you're going to tarry with us till 7 pm hallelujah uh you know when people are not excited about spiritual things you can you can see by how they respond their amen but um i'm not moved hallelujah so we began to look at the benefits of the word of God. I feel the anointing of God. I feel alive. I'm telling you. There's so much life in my spirit. Thank you Holy Ghost. Whew. Help me Lord. Benefits of the word of God. Now. We said the first benefit. That the word of God gives you. Is what? Blessings. Rest and establishment. Establishment. We have explained that already. I don't want to explain again. If not, I might might drag the time. Number two, we said the second benefit of the word of God is what? Healing and deliverance, which means the word of God has health benefits. Praise God. Number three, we said the word of God gives what? Is that what? The source of faith. You can't stay with the word of God and not become a man of faith. And number four, we said the word of God brings what? Transformation. Number five, we said the word of God enables you to do what? Kingdom exploits. Why are you saying it as though you're not confident about the word? That means you didn't study it in a week. Number five, we said the word of God, that's what? It makes you do what? Oh, uh, you are not here. Ah, what is happening to this congregation? This this class, these classes. I don't know why. Do we have broken-hearted people here? When I see you do that, then you just kill the the anointing. We set the fifth point. The word of God enables you to do what? You are getting there. Do what? Kingdom exploits. Now, today's message. Which is number six. The word of God brings multiplication of grace and peace. The the word of God brings what? Multiplication. Of what? Grace and peace. Now, this morning I'm going to help you a bit because the word grace, I I will soon, if we have time, be teaching on understanding the message of grace. Okay? Because this teaching, if it's not well explained, it has misled a lot of people. Grace is a very... Generic word. Very broad word. Unfortunately, some only understand one aspect of grace. But to just make it very simple, we need to first understand that grace is a person. And that person is Jesus. He is full of grace and truth. The Bible says in the book of John chapter 1 verse 14. The Bible says that the word was made flesh and dwelt amongst us and we beheld his glory like us of the only Begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So grace is first the person. Number two, grace is also the finished work of Christ. Grace is also what? The finished work of Christ. That means grace is also revealed in what Christ has done for you. Did you get that? Number three, grace is also the supply of God's ability to live. Is the supply of God's power or God's ability to live the Christian life. And number four, grace is also the influence of God upon a man's life. We call that favor. Say favor. So, some only take one aspect of it. So, When you take only one aspect of grace, you you rob yourself of the other ones that you have. Are you following this? So, so the fourth point, which is favor, God can favor somebody, and people just love to bless you. They, They don't understand why they're blessing you. It's called favor. Tell somebody favor. So, some don't like it. Me, I like it. I love favor. That's also grace. Please, are you following this? So, it's the influence of God upon a man that makes you have things easily. Please, are you following this? So, when we understand the fullness of grace, we will know grace as a person. We also understand what we call saving grace. Then we also understand what we call living grace. Then we also understand what we call enabling grace. These are all in New Testament. Please, are we following? So we said that the word of God brings what multiplication of grace and peace. If you don't understand the kind of grace this one, this uh, particular verse of scripture is talking about, you may be confused because somebody may say grace is a person. How can Jesus multiply? Jesus cannot multiply. It's because you don't understand what it means by grace here. Let me give you a verse: the book of Second Peter chapter one, the verse two. Check something out for yourself. The Bible says grace, observe that, and peace be what? Multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. This is interesting. That means there is a kind of grace and peace that can multiply or super abound in the life of a believer who has the knowledge of God and Jesus Christ our Lord. Are you following this? So there is a grace that can multiply on a man's life via knowledge. There is a certain kind of knowledge you can have that will begin to multiply the grace of God upon your life. That means the grace of God is not only a person. The grace of God is an influence that can be quantified. You can be able to measure the grace of God upon a man's life. Are we following this? So when we are talking about grace here, we are talking of the influence of God, the enabling ability and power of God upon a man's life. For example, if you see a man that is praying 12 hours, it's not because he's powerful, it's because he has been graced. (laughs) You don't get this thing. I repeat myself. If you find a man doing Christianity or spirituality with ease, You struggle to pray for 30 minutes. That guy prays for 12 hours and he's now charging. Never. That person watching, that person should never think that this guy is gifted. And the person praying also shouldn't think that he's lifted. That enabling ability... That makes you do what ordinary Christians or ordinary human beings cannot do. is called what? Grace. And Paul is saying that grace can multiply. Which means the more knowledge you have of God and of Christ, the more grace is multiplied in your life. That is why I said every Christian virtue is sponsored on the foundation of revelation. Without revelation you'll be tired in your Christian life. I'm telling you. It was one revelation that held my prayer life. The day I got to know that what physical breath is to the natural man prayer is to the spiritual man. It was that revelation that changed my life. Now I know that when I don't pray, I am not breathing spiritually. That's what changed me. So now to me, when I wake up in the morning, prayer is what qualifies my breath. So a non-praying Christian is a non-living Christian. Are you following this thing? That revelation begins to supply grace so that when I don't feel like praying, because I now know my prayer life is my breath life, I pray. So God is saying, every revelation of scripture you find, you find grace in it. You didn't get this thing. So when you are devoid of the word, you are devoid of grace. I'm teaching God here. So listen. In every area of your life, you want to see grace multiply or increase in that area. You need to find the revelation of God in that part, that area. I'm teaching good here. He says, grace and peace be multiplied. Let me just find out, if I can just check the Greek word for multiplied, so that you can enjoy the word of God more. Are you ready for this? I love the word of God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Second Peter chapter one, the verse two. Now, check out the Greek word for multiply. Now, the Greek word for multiply it means to increase. Number two, it means to abound. Number three, it means to supply in abundance. You see, the Christian life was designed uh, to move from glory to glory, from strength to strength, and from grace to grace. So when your Christian life is moving from grace to grass, that means you are not consistent. Do you hear me? The Christian life is supposed to be ever increasing from glory to glory, from grace to grace, and from strength to strength. For the path of the just is like a shining sun, shining ever brighter and brighter unto the perfect day. So you're supposed to be advancing in your pursuit. You're supposed to be getting more glorified day by day. That is how God designed you to be. If only you are consistent with God, the way God has designed you to flow as a Christian, you will see grace multiplying your life. I'm telling you without boasting, every single week my life moves from glory to glory and from grace to grace. You know why? Because I have trusted God for a consistent life in my journey and pursuit of God. So every time God sees that effort, when, when God sees that labor, he begins to supply an energy for me to fulfill that which I've started. Praise God. So he says that grace and peace be multiplied, super or increase through so, this grace comes only through the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, the lesser the knowledge of Christ, the lesser what grace you experience. Praise God. It's the same with every virtue. Even fasting, God can supply grace to a man to fast in a way that normal people can fast. But you must catch a revelation. I caught a revelation about fasting. I came to understand that what eating is to the physical man, fasting is to the spiritual man. So fasting is actually feasting in the spirit. Because when you fast, you starve your flesh and you starve your spirit with divine goods. That is why one benefit you gain in fasting is sensitivity to the spirit. You are exposed to the realm of the spirit. Your discernment heightens. You know why? Because you are feeding on spiritual things. I'm teaching good here. So he says grace, the influence, the enabling ability of God and peace. That word peace there is rest, tranquility and harmony. That's the word, peace. So he's saying that grace and harmony, that that means your life becomes a harmony in an increased dimension through what? The knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I put some few points down. I said all the possibilities of God in you are in seed form. Write that down all the possibilities of God in you are in seed form. Which means you must grow them, nurture them, and multiply them. All the possibilities of God in you, in other words, everything God will do or can do in you, is in you as a seed. So God's power is inside you. God's glory is inside you. But it is inside you as a seed. And we all know that there are things we do to seeds. We bury them, we water them, we protect them, we preserve them. Then they begin to grow, then when that seed begins to grow into a plant, it begins to have branches, then soon it begins to have multiplication of its fruit. Are you getting that? So what we are saying is that the possibilities of God or whatever God can do with you and through you is in a seed form inside you. When you spend time to water them with the word of God, what is going to happen is that you are going to see that seed multiply itself as fruit. That's what the Bible is saying here. Praise God. Another word for grace is the help of God. That's another word for grace. It is the help of God. You know why? Because man is infirmed. Man has infirmities. Or like it says in the book of Romans chapter 8 verse 26. He says that for we do not know what to pray for. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmity. The word infirmity means weakness. It means frailty. Now look, give me that in NLT. He says, and the Holy Spirit, what? Helps us in our weakness. So man was designed a weak person. If you find a strong man, that means he's receiving help. From another spirit who is higher than him. Please, are you following this thing? Every man was designed weak, he was designed finite, he was designed limited. So, when you find a man super strong, when you find a man who has become a superpower, it was because someone empowered him. When you find a president, It was because the the, the citizens empowered him. Without a citizen's vote, he's powerless. Are you getting this thing? So any man you find strong in an area is because something, someone is helping someone stronger. So the grace of God is the help of God in a man's life. And consistently, every believer needs the help of the Holy Ghost. So he says, likewise, the Spirit helped." It. Why? Because he enables you with the divine ability to do what God has told you to do. Yeah, I mean, without the Holy Spirit, nobody can be able to live the Christian life. Without the help of God, no one. So Jesus gave you the Holy Ghost and called him your helper. But what we are trying to say here is that the word of God can multiply grace and peace in your life. Praise God. Number seven. We are talking about the benefits of the word of God. Please. These benefits I am sharing with you are not meant to be in a book. They are meant to be revealed in a life. Much more, meant to, re- to be revealed in your life. So, if these benefits you are seeing are in a book, that means there is something you are not doing right, because the Word of God is true. Number seven, the Word of God enables cleansing and washing. The Word of God enables cleansing and washing. Many people don't know that this book called the Bible is not just a book. It is many things. It's more than a book. It's more than a book. Tell someone it's more than a book. More! In the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, verse 26... The Bible says that he might sanctify her by the washing of water by the word. That he might cleanse or sanctify her by the washing of water by the word. Now the Greek word you see there for sanctify. is a very interesting Greek word. That word sanctify actually in Greek means lover. L-A-V-E-R. Lover. And that lover... Was actually a brazen bowl that was designed by Moses in the tabernacle, which they placed water in it. It was in the outer court. The temple had three compartments: the outer court, the holy place, and the most holy place. There were two articles in the altar court. The first article was the altar of sacrifice, where they slaughter the animal and burn the animal as a burnt offering. The second element you see there is what we call the brazen lava, which I'm talking about. So it was designed, Moses took the the, uh, bronze mirrors that the Israeli women brought from Egypt. And he put the the, 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 um, um, bronze mirrors together And designed a brazen bowl. Big one. So they put water in it. When the priest is done with the sacrifice. Remember the whole place was full of sand. And the animals also caused the spill of blood. So the priest became defiled by the blood sacrifices in their hands. And their feet was also defiled by the dust. Are you following that? So their hands were defiled with what? Blood. And their feet was defiled with? With dust. So before they enter the holy place to do business with God, they had to come to the brazen lover, which was taken from the what? The what? The mirrors. The mirrors of the women who came from Israel, from Egypt. Following? So they designed it so you come and wash your hands so the blood is gone because if you enter the holies or the holy place with death on your feet and, and blood in your hands, you may die. Not just that you may die. You will die. So God told them to cleanse their hands and wash their legs. When they are clean, then they will proceed to enter to do business with God. Are you following this thing? Now, interestingly, the word of God is seen as a mirror. In the book of James, chapter 1, verse 22 and 23, the Bible says, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Next verse. He says, for if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like unto a man beholding his natural face as in a, that word glass there is mirror. If you check other versions, you see mirror. So he's saying that the word of God is like a mirror. Remember, the, the, the brazen lava was made from mirrors of the ladies that came from Israel. Are you getting that? So when you are washing, you are seeing yourself. Telling us that the word of God is the brazen lava. When we come to it, we wash ourselves as we behold ourselves. Are you following this thing? So, the priest had to wash the hand and the feet. Why? Because the hand is for working and the feet is for walking. Which meant that they are, their works and their walk had to be sanctified. In the New Testament, we are priests unto our God. And what the Bible is telling us is that the word of God is a brazen lover. And we are supposed to cleanse ourselves with the word of God. So that our works and our walk will be sanctified. I'm teaching good here. Remember before Jesus Christ died he called his disciples and began to wash their feet. And Peter said to Jesus, Master, I, no, 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 no. You don't have to wash my feet because I'm supposed to do that. Jesus said something. He said, if you don't allow me to wash your feet, you won't be a part, a part, a part of me. Then Peter said, I'm master. Don't wash only my leg. Wash my whole body. And Jesus said, Whoever has taken a bath that not, does not need to bathe. he only needs feet washing. This was a mighty revelation. What Jesus was saying is that when you are born again, you have taken a bath. So the born again experience is a whole bath experience. But the word of God is the feet washing experience. So you don't need a second bath. In that, you don't need to be born, born, born again. What you need is constant cleansing of your feet to affect your walk and your works, so that Christ will be sanctified in your life. I'm teaching good here, so hear me. Any time, see why did Jesus wash their feet? Because they went to town. When you go to town, eh, you you there is nothing you can do about the dust. Whatever happens, it will it will it will affect your shoes. It will affect your feet. Are you getting that? There's nothing you can do about it. But when you come, there is something you can do about the debt. You can wash it. Likewise, the the world is described as the dust. When you go into the world, there are a lot of things you can avoid. You can you can't go and tell somebody in the shop to stop playing superu When you enter someone's house, you can't tell him to stop watching this particular movie that is tempting you. So as we go into the world, the dust of this world coming through the radio, coming through Facebook, coming through um, the television, coming through the movies that we watch, all these things are called dust and their purpose is to defile your feet which affects your walk. That is why every child of God must discipline himself to come to the word of God for feet washing and Jesus said if you don't make me wash your feet you won't be a part what we are talking about here is fellowship what you are talking about here is intimacy so your salvation is solved but the problem of being a part with him to do the work of God you may not be part if your feet is not cleansed by the word of God I'm teaching good here so hear me the word of God is a cleansing agent The more you study, the more you read the Bible, the the more you meditate on the Bible, the more washed and cleansed you are spiritually. Now, you will not see water appear physically, but spiritually, there is something washing you. It will cleanse your thoughts. It will wash your thoughts. It will wash away a lot of evil that is stored up in your heart. Let me just help you. In the Old Testament, men were cleansed and purified by three agents. In the Old Testament, men were cleansed and purified by how many agents? Three agents. Number one was by blood. So there are times when people defile themselves. Uh, they they had to kill an animal and then they're applying the animal on their forehead. It was part of their sanctification process. Number two, men were cleansed by water and number three men were cleansed by fire there were three cleansing agents in the old testament number one is what blood number two is water number three is fire fire is used to purify things following now The the thing hasn't changed. In the New Testament, it is better explained to us. In the New Testament, there are also three cleansing agents. The blood of Jesus. That fire is now the Holy Ghost. Because he shall baptize you in the Holy Ghost and with fire. So the fire is the Holy Ghost and the water is the word of God. So in the Old Testament, they had the blood of the animal, they had fire, and they had water for doing cleansing. In the New Testament, we have the blood of Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit, and we have what? The Word of God. So when you believed in Jesus Christ, you were cleansed. You were washed in the blood according to the book of Revelation chapter 1, verse 5. Revelation 1, 5. He says, And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us, and did what? Washed us from our sins in his own blood. So the blood of Jesus has washed you. You have now become worthy. When you find a Christian saying, I'm not worthy, you you need to find out his language. If you are saying you are not worthy because Jesus made, made you worthy, you are right. But when you say you are not worthy because you think you are filthy, that is error. Because the blood of Jesus has made you worthy. Are you following me? But in your conduct, in your actions, it is possible you can be defiled. Why? Because the, 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 the entire plan of salvation is not yet complete. You are a spirit, washed. You are a soul who is being washed. And you have a body that will be entirely cleansed on the day of the coming of Jesus Christ. Are you following this thing? So, 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 what the word of God does for us is to cleanse our soul to affect our work with God. Hear me? if you don't spend time with the word of God, there will be so much filth in your life. When I'm talking of filth, I'm not just talking about sin. You know, sometimes when we talk of filth and death, people, the idea is about sin. When we're talking of filth, it's not just sin. When you are easily depressed, it is filth. When you are easily worried, it is filth. Because all these agents have a way of affecting your work with God. Are you following me? So, the word of God does cleansing. It does cleansing. Teaching good? John chapter 15, verse 3. Watch that for yourself. Watch. He says, Now ye are clean through the word. You are clean through the word. Listen. If you know the level of neatness that can affect your life just by listening to one sermon, you have no idea. That is why Satan loves you to listen to his sermons. Satan also has a sermon. His sermons normally are on social media. They are on BBC. They are on Al Jazeera. On TV3, I'm teaching yeah. Satan and sermons. There is a sermon you can hear from Satan. Last will gather in your heart for one week. So hear me, hear me carefully. One plan Satan wants to do in your life is to do everything possible to hinder you from taking this book. Every resistance to pick up your Bible to read is an attack. Yes. So hear me it will take a counterattack to pick up the Bible. It takes a fight to take your Bible to read. I know what I'm saying. As a pastor, I have to fight. I have to resist all kinds of phone calls. There are times, by the time I want to read about 10 to 15 chapters a day, that's the time some people be calling me. I have to deliberately close my eyes and put off my phone. To be able to do it, it's a fight. Tell somebody it's a fight. There are sometimes you just open the Bible, you just open a Bible, and someone sent you a WhatsApp message. And this WhatsApp message is very worrying, it's very worrying. And once you started thinking about it, you lost it. So people don't know that this thing is a fight. You will fight to read your Bible. That's the spiritual warfare we are talking about. So in a spiritual warfare, when you wake up in the morning, the war has begun. Satan will throw arrows, missiles. Different itineraries. And those itineraries can be an itinerary. A very busy one. A very, a very great itinerary that you have to do. It's like if you don't do it, it's like it's impossible. And they become genuine excuses why you are not getting spiritual. And he's laughing and mocking you. The guy is giving a legitimate excuse. And yet Satan is legitimately winning. He says you are clean, you are clean, you are clean. So anytime you hear the word of God, anytime you read the word of God, what is happening to you, you are getting clean because the word of God cleans you up. As I'm teaching you now. Many of you are making new decisions. That's a cleansing. Your mind is changing. Your mindsets are changing. The book of James chapter 1 verse 21. He says, "Wherefore lay apart all filthiness. So that means there is filth in the heart and soul of every believer and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word of God which is able to save your souls. So the word of God has the ability to save your soul. John chapter 17, verse 17. John seventeen, seventeen. Can we read it together? Loudly one to go. Sanctify them through thy truth, Thy word is truth. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Which means the word of God sanctifies you. How can you know this and not get the word inside you? Hear me. If you don't get the word inside you, something else will get inside you. Yes. If you don't get the word of God inside you, something else will get inside you. We are in a world of spirits. Every spirit is trying to gain access in someone's life, and someone's heart. Unfortunately, not many of us have our eyes open to see what goes on in the realm of the spirit. But if God should open your eyes, you realize that spirits are aggressively working hard to enter into the lives of people. Likewise, the word of God is a medium through which the power of God's spirit can have its way in your life. Hear me? You can hear a word enter your spirit and a demon can leave your body. I know what I'm saying. A demon of suicide, a demon of depression can just leave you, just by the word of God. I'm telling you. Because of time, let's move on quickly. I love this particular point. (laughs) Number eight, the word of God keeps us from sinning. The word of God keeps us from what? Sinning. Please let me still make this correction because I need to say that every time. Okay. When we are speaking about the benefit of the word of God, we are talking about the benefit of speaking the word of God, reading the word of God, meditating on the word of God, memorizing the word of God, and singing the word of God. So when I'm speaking of the benefits, it's not just reading the Bible. You're talking of meditating on it. Speaking it. Singing it. Memorizing it. You begin to see a big change in your life. People can't believe that this is the, this is the guy. This is the lady. It's just six months. It's just two months. But it's a transformation. When you give yourself to the word of God, the word of God will give itself to you. You become what that word says. We said the word of God keeps us from what? Sinning. Can I shock you? To a very high degree, you are able to sin more when you lack more revelation. Yes. And today I'll I'll expose some serious stuff to you. When you find sin growing more in your life, your major problem is a revelation problem. I am telling you the truth. Hmm. Psalm 119 verse 9. He says, how can a young man cleanse his ways? He says, by taking heed according to thy word. So, the same question you can ask it, how can I, Isaac Lapapo, cleanse my way by taking heed thereunto according to the word of God? Now, look at the verse 11, the breaker. He says, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. So the sin problem in the life of the believer is a revelation problem. When the word of God takes root, hiding in your soul, he says that you will not sin against him. It will be hard when you are about to do something evil and the Holy Spirit crystallizes a scripture in your heart and it pops open. The fear of the Lord is to eschew evil and you still do it. It's hard. Most of the time, all those desires you obey, because revelation hasn't amplified in your life. As it stands now, there are some sins. If I commit them, it was highly deliberate. Because I've come to know too much to say it was a mistake. Word, have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee? This is a serious matter. There is a reason why God wants you to hide His word in the storehouse of your heart. Now, let me show you when you go to a gold mine, there is so much gold there. When you dig out and you bring gold, you keep that gold. He's saying that this Bible is a gold mine. When you are reading, studying, memorizing, what you are doing is that you are mining. The gold you take, he said you keep it here. Which means that the value of a believer is measured in the content of his revelation kept in his heart. The word of God becomes your core value. It becomes the revelation of your convictions. So that you're not a loose believer. Proverbs chapter 16, the verse 6. Watch that. Watch that. He says, by mercy and truth. Iniquity is what? Perched. And by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. Whoa. Whoa. by the fear of the Lord men depart from evil hear me there are about seven restraining forces in every believer to help him not to sin I repeat there are about seven restraining forces When I say restraining forces, I'm talking about forces in a believer's life or around a believer that helps him to resist sin. In the Old Testament, they didn't have what you have. Hear me. It is to an extent so much deliberate on the part of believers when they fall into certain kind of sins. You chose to do it. You made a decision to do it. I'm telling you. Because every believer has seven restraining forces. They restrain you from sinning. It's in every believer. It's around every believer. It's with every believer. Can I show you the seven forces? <laughs> Are you ready? No, I won't show you. Let's move to the next one. Are you ready? Okay, that's fine. I'll teach you. Number one is your conscience. Your conscience is a restraining force. I didn't want to give you scriptures, but maybe the conscience alone, I'll get you a scripture. Come to Romans chapter 2. Let me see if I can help you. Romans chapter 2. Good. Romans chapter 2, um, the verse 14. Romans chapter 2, the verse 14 and 15. Romans 2, 14, 15. Are you there? All right. He says, for when the Gentiles, which have no law. Remember, Israel had the law. Gentiles do not have a law. But he's saying, when the Gentiles, which have no law... Do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law are a law unto themselves. Can I explain? Now, for example, when God gave the Ten Commandments, it was only for Israel. That means those who were in Assyria, those who were in uh, the, Philistines, uh, the Philistines, the Amorites, the Jebusites, the Jatasites, all these people, they didn't have a law. But how did they know that sleeping with someone's wife? It's a sin. How did they know? Please. How did they know that when you steal someone's property, you have to be punished? They didn't have Bible. They didn't have law. But they knew that stealing is not right. They knew that murdering somebody unlawfully is not right. You have to be murdered. How did they know it? How did they determine what was right from what was wrong? Conscience! Listen. Before you knew Christ, you still knew what right they wrong. Just that you didn't have it in full. But you just knew that stealing is wrong. You just knew that forcing sex on someone is rape and it's not right. You, you knew it. That's why there were some things you just couldn't do. Though you were not in Christ, you just couldn't do it. Please, are you getting what I'm saying? So, the first restraining forms is what? Conscience. So your conscience will break you. What I'm doing is not right. So, when you are a child of God, eh, even your conscience is more stronger because it is, it is purged by the blood of Jesus. So, the first restraining force in every child of God is the conscience. Your conscience is the part of you that justifies you or convicts you. Oh my goodness. I remember one time I had to help an old lady, I mean, many years ago. I had to help some old lady. I was a very young guy. I didn't know, but I just saw this woman and I had compassion on her. And I had to empty my pocket, give it to this old lady. When I was going, my conscience was making me feel joyful. It was justifying me. Do you know that sometimes you can talk to somebody in a certain way, then your conscience tells you that, what you did, uncle you? It wasn't the Holy Ghost per se, but your conscience preached you that it is not right. That conscience is a restraining force. That's the first restraining force. The second restraining force that prevents believer, or that was designed to prevent you from sinning is what we call your new creation spirit or your new nature. Your new nature. Second Corinthians chapter 5, the verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Hear me. When you are born again, your species changes. You carry a new gene, a new DNA. A goat will give that to a goat. A cat will give that to a cat. And that cat will grow to be a cat. You, a goat can never give that to a rabbit. That's an abomination. Likewise, God will give that to. Mm, some people are afraid. God will give that to. So, which means that God, God's DNA, His nature, It's inside you. It's called eternal life. That nature inside you is a restraining force. Have you realized? (laughs) Can I shock you? Dogs bark. Why? It is in their nature. Cats meow. Why? Because it's in their nature. Have you ever seen a snake walking? What do they do? The, the crawl. <laughs> we'll take it like that. Why? Because it is in their nature. The day you hear a dog singing. Hallelujah. Hey, hey, hey. That day you also sing. "Hey." hey, hey. <laughs> You'll be shocked. Because it is not in his nature to do so. Are you getting it? So, so there's an extent. Eh? Your new nature tells you it is not in your nature to do what you're about to do. It's a returning force. You will see, a genuine believer will never be okay doing evil. Why? His new nature, it is not in it to do it. So to a large extent, it will be hard for a genuine believer to see because you have to break so many laws to do evil. The reason why that evil you are doing is, is so easy to do is because you have done it over a time. Now your conscience is dead. Listen to me. If you know there's something wrong which you keep doing over time, what you are doing is that with time you are weakening the power of your conscience. With time, what you are doing is that you are now deadening. You are numbing the the, the things that preach your conscience. A time is going to come you will do it and your conscience won't tell you it's bad again. That's how dangerous continuous sin is. I'll teach you something here. In First Timothy chapter 4 the verse 1 to 4. It says something. It says, the spirit likewise speaketh in the latter days that in the latter time, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. He says that speaking lies in hypocrisy and having their conscious what? Seared with hot iron. I'll give you an example. If you drink hot tea, boiling hot tea, the first time you drink boiling hot tea, eh, it will burn your mouth. you'll see some cuts on your, some bends on your tongue, right? If you do the same thing the second day, The third day, the fourth day, the fifth day, the sixth day, the hundredth day, the two hundredth day. What is going to happen is that your your tongue will die. Your tongue will what? It will numb. Now the hot tea is no longer hot to your tongue again. When that happens, your tongue has been seared. Your tongue has been numbed. Please, are you following this thing? The Bible is saying that same thing can happen to your conscience. When you keep ignoring the information your conscience is giving you, a time is going to come, you will lose your conscience. I'm teaching you here. So we said the second agent is what? Your new nature. The third agent is the Holy Spirit. So, the third restraining force inside your life is the Holy Ghost. God gave you the Holy Spirit to come and live inside you. And the Holy Ghost is a person, he's a personality. He can speak. There are times he can tell you, no, stop, don't do it. I don't like that. You can't do that. The Holy Ghost can serve as a restraining force in your life. And the moment you begin to obey the Holy Spirit, you begin to grieve Him. I'm teaching with you. That's the third restraining force. Number four. The fourth restraining force (laughs) are you ready for it? Is other believers. Other believers. (laughs) There are times eh, you may not have strength to overcome certain things. But the fact that you remember other believers who are living for God, you remember other believers who are serving God, it shapes your life. Sometimes I can think about the ministers, because sometimes, I'll ask uh, Mr. Godwin, they say he's on a seven days fast, seven days water fast. At that time, I've eaten watching. And when I hear it, I'm like, hey, Charlie, this guy is is advanced, you know, let me just change my timetable. Then I adjust it. When I hear that, hey, when I come and I see that, Mr. Ifa, he's just reading his Bible just like that. And I've not read my Bible. When I see that, he has read his Bible. He says, hey, Charlie, you. I just correct myself. There are sometimes you're going to do something bad. You share it with one of your Christians, but they say, no, we can't do that. That brother can become a restraining force by his voice or by his lifestyle. Please let your life be a restraining force to other believers. I love, so, I was talking to someone the last time. The person said, anytime something I want to go and do by camps, then I see your image and your message and your tape. <laughs> it appears before me like that. Thank God I'm a restraining force. Amen? So, other believers are restraining forces. Let's do it quickly. Number, what? Five. Unbelievers. <laughs> I know you are shocked. Unbelievers are also a restraining force. Ha! <laughs> Sometimes you want to do evil, but because of other unbelievers around, what they will say about Christianity? Bekaya, the big child. You want to fight the mate, because the, you know the mate is cheating you. You want to say... The guy came to overtake you. The guy came to overtake you just like that. And as he overtook you, you got the chance to get close to him. You want to say, Oh, yeah, you said, oh, shata komaya. You just convert it into tongues. We call that unbelievers. For the fact that someone will say, Hey, so you, you are Christian. You, look. <laughs> that fact alone won't do it. I'm teaching good. So that compound house, that single bedroom you have, when you are taking the girl there, as if you are going for a prayer meeting. <laughs> you think I will say it? Me, me back. <laughs> So when you enter, you generally shout, yeah, you are yo. <laughs> so you start singing worship as though the people will hear worship. Then you increase the tempo of the volume in the bedroom and it is hot praise. Hey! ready is... <laughs> no, 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 no. Hot praise. Those unbelievers will scare you. I remember when I was staying in the compound house. One time, my wife and I had an argument. And my voice wanted to rise. But when the thing wants to rise, I remember other people are listening to us. I said, what you do is not good though. <laughs> <laughs> huh? I told you shouldn't do that, but you're still doing it. <clears throat> you <clears throat> so, then, then she wants to talk. I said, Bring your voice down. I'm a pastor, bring your <laughs> Yeah, I don't think of me. I'll tell you the truth. She she was bringing a voice up. I said, you're okay. You listen to me. I don't want to shout. <laughs> Why? Because unbelieving tenants are there. If not, the next thing we hear is that, hey, Pastor Ben, I here. that's your end. Unbelievers. So sometimes we fear. Do you know when David committed adultery with Bathsheba? do you know what uh, Nathan said? He said, You have given occasion for our enemies or the enemies of God to blaspheme against God. The day someone says, Because of you, I will never enter church. Serious matter. So the presence of unbelievers are a restraining force. There are sometimes there are some things you dare not do because of the presence of unbelievers. You'll be the reason why they'll go to hell. You can't fight in company. The company where you work. You can't fight there. Then a Christian, you are exchanging words. If you tell me, I'll tell you. If you tell me, I'll tell you. This is your last time you insulted me. If you insult me, I'll slap you. And then other people are sitting in the office and they're just watching you like that. Wow. What you just said was a message. I'm telling you. You see a tongue talking believer, no, he's in his head. Come, Bye. <laughs> hey. then, leave me, leave me alone. I'll kill you, Christian. Christian. Some of the unbelievers because of them. Hallelujah. Number what? Number six, Satan and his demons. I know you are shocked. Satan and his demons are a straining force. (laughs) There are some times you want to do evil, eh? but I'm telling you, when you remember that Satan is still alive. (laughs) because every sin is an open door for Satan. I hope you are aware. On Friday, I taught that we have only learned one aspect of STDs, which is sexually transmitted disease. There's another aspect doctors didn't tell us. It is called sexually transmitted demons. The Bible says whoever links himself to an animal becomes one. Which means if the girl has a demonic problem and you sleep with that girl, in the spirit you have become one. So all the demons in the family of that girl have become your family members. So if poverty was what was fighting the girl, welcome Agwaba into poverty. No, I'm telling you a serious matter. The same demons fighting the person, they become one. They become one. (laughs) Hallelujah. That fear alone. There's one man of God in Ghana. He went outside the country. Nobody was there. When they finished preaching, a lady came to his, his hotel by mistake and he slept with the lady. He said whilst he was sleeping with the lady, a dove, he saw an image like a dove. It came out of him. And the door left the building. Home since that day, his ministry was never the same again. There is a movie that was released about thirteen days ago. Cause yesterday when I check, the title is Prophet Suddenly. type it on YouTube and watch that movie. That movie will educate you too much. I'm telling you, the title is called What Prophet Suddenly. Just watch it. It's on YouTube free. It's a nice movie. I think one time, we should even show it here. It's a Christian movie. This was a pastor. Okay? That God was using. I'm just summarizing everything. And sometimes, when he goes home, the wife is tired, so he wants to ask his wife for sex. The wife says, I'm tired. He can't have it. And he had a friend who was always influencing him. He says, hey, Charlie, cheating there is normal. I mean, you should have fun. I mean, it's normal. You should have fun. So one time, anytime he's going home, there's a woman he sees on the wayside. Smiling, watching him. Then he watched the woman's side while she's driving. And the thing was building. The next day, he was watching. He saw it. The next day, he was watching. So, when the thing became stronger, one day, as he was watching, he was going, ah, and he stopped to ask the lady, what, what, Why are you always standing here? And he said, Oh, if you want to have a nice time with that kind of communication. And, and the guy said, Okay, I don't want anything. You just. And the guy went. When he was going, ah, and he braked the car. And he reversed. And I knew danger was coming. Reversed. Then he says, Hopping. So, they went to the hotel. When they went to the hotel, they were talking to the hotel um, attendant. And then he said, oh, uh, can I have a hotel for two? And he, and he said, the woman said yes. He said, but you are only one person here. He said, what do you mean? That's, that I'm here with someone. He says, no, you are the only person here. He said, are you mad? Um, we are two. Can't you see here? He says, no, you are the only one. He said, ah. Then the woman said, okay, it's okay. No, no, the woman was a spirit. And they entered the room. Just some few minutes ago. When he finished, he said, how much are you taking? The lady said, it's free. (laughs) You can go. He said, what do you mean by it's free? I don't know you. are just wanted wanted to have fun. How much are you taking? He said, no, don't worry. It's free. You know what the woman said? I am in you and you are in me. (laughs) He said, what kind of stupid nonsense is that? Get out of here. You are in who? He said, I am in you and you are in me. (laughs) That was the end. That was the beginning of Wahala. Tell somebody, I'm in you. I'm in you. <laughs> <laughs> and you are in me. Go and watch it. I just watched happen. I Go and watch that movie. When I watched that movie, my eyes was open. You see, I, I was saying on Friday that Satan does not tell you the consequence of your sin. He only tells you the pleasure you enjoy in it. So that's the picture he shows you. That is nice. Go and do it. He doesn't show you the end result, the end goal, what that sin will achieve. He doesn't tell you. He only tells you the fun you will have today. But hear me, no sex is free. In the realm of the spirit, there are tax masters. You pay. I'm teaching good here. So listen to me. The Bible is telling us that the faith restraining force is Satan and his demons. Every sin is a door opener for Satan. I'm telling you. There's a verse in the book of Proverbs. Which says something. I don't know if there's a Bible scholar here who can help us. He says something about when you break the hedge, a serpent will bite you. I don't know if you can look for that verse for me. He who breaks the hedge, the serpent will bite him. Look, look for that verse for me. That means you have to Google it. Just type, he who breaks the hedge, the serpent will bite you. Thank you, Jesus. You found it? What was that? Ecclesiastes 10, the verse 8. Check it. Check it. He says, he that diggeth a pit shall fall into it. And whoso breaketh and hedge, a what? A serpent shall bite him. That serpent is the devil. He's just waiting for you to break and hedge. he threw himself. The final restraining force is the word of God. Let me do this in five minutes. We have to close exactly at 9.30. The word of God. So he says that thy word have I hid in my heart, that I may not, what? Sin against thee. I have a verse I put in my Prayer room in the house. Psalm 24 from the verse 3. That verse, I have to read it every time to remind myself. Because I've come to find out that Satan does not flee a believer who does not flee sin. He's not afraid of you. I'm telling you. You can use the name of Jesus, he doesn't fear. He says, Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Now, those times I, I was thinking that, oh, this one is an Old Testament revelation, it's not for believers. Because we are already on the hill. We are already on Mount Zion. Unto I ran the last and I understood it. He says, who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy place? Next verse. He that has what? Clean hands and a pure heart. Who has not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. Look. He says he shall receive a... That means there are Blessings for purity, blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation look at the verse 6 look he says this is the generation of them that seek him so the context is talking about those who want to build intimacy with God. it is not for this is not a scripture confirming a pos, the position of the believer. this is the verse describing those who want to seek God to know him. So when it says, who shall stand in the hill of the Lord? He's talking about the one that is seeking him to stand on the hill. So this verse is an intimacy verse. This is the generation that seek him. So it's for seekers. I saw one in Psalm 15. Psalm 15. It began to shape my life. I have to read them. Psalm 15. Let me read it from my own Bible here. Psalm 15, Psalm 15, Psalm 15, Psalm 15, Psalm 15, Psalm 15. I read now. He says, Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? He that walketh uprightly and worketh righteousness and speaketh the truth in his heart. He that backbited not with his tongue and doeth evil to his neighbor "...nor taketh up a reproach against his neighbor, in whose high eyes a vile person is contempt. But he unread them that fear the Lord, he, answer, he sweareth to his own head and changeth not. He that puteth not out his money to usury, nor taketh reward against the innocent, he that doeth these things shall never be moved." When you go home, read that in a more simpler version. You will see that, listen, we are the ones digging our own grave in our Christian life. We are digging a grave. Listen, when you walk in purity, here, there is a certain peace you have. You can't explain it. When you are living in a sinful life, you are always not peaceful. You are always thinking someone is chasing you. You always, you always have to hide so many things and you are killing yourself. Sorry. Right now, I can give my phone to everybody in this house. On Facebook, my personal account and my page is with about five people in this church, because I don't have any other message apart from the message they will see. I don't have to delete anything. I don't have to quickly. You 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 post something there quickly. You want to go and write, uh, uh, um, delete for me and delete for everyone. Then out of fear, you go and do it. Delete for me. I don't have to fear anything. When I walk, I walk free. Tell somebody, I walk free. And like the person, do you walk free? Every time you wake up, there's tension. You think somebody's finding out something. You think someone's about to catch you. If you're stealing office money. When you're walking, you're not okay. You've, anytime you see your boss squeeze his face, he say, hey. Meanwhile, too, that, he didn't have any problem. When somebody's getting close to your office, the, your, your office they then, you're like... Uh-huh. What do you want? No peace. No peace. You're in the bedroom, someone opens the door. Hey, why didn't you knock? Ah. If you have a clear conscience, nobody needs to knock before you enter your bedroom. When someone takes your laptop, no, I no <laughs> <laughs> what, are, what are you doing? Action movies here. Don't go here, it's here. <laughs> nobody tarnado running away you are just afraid every so your life is not see when you're walking pretty you're a free man i'm telling you i'm a free man i'm free man the last time i slept <laughs> and i woke up when i woke up my wife was holding my phone and she was checking my whatsapp messages when i, woke up, I said she was looking for a particular message that i told her someone sent so when I woke up, I said, okay, when you are done, can put, I, I want to use it. You, you wake up. Jesus! Why did you take the phone? Why didn't you ask me? Before you took the phone? I saw a funny clip of uh, one guy who <laughs> went to the washroom, was bathing. And he heard that the wife was taking the phone. He ran from the bad house. He fell down, woke up, fell down. He went and took the phone back from the wife. <laughs> With a soap on his body, why do you have to break your head? Tell someone, walk free. Just walk free. Am I blessing somebody at all? Am I blessing somebody at all? Second Timothy chapter 2, the verse 20. I, I mean, media team, you guys should have the living Bible. This is the third time I'm asking. Before you realize, I'll change all of you. The living Bible. good the living bible um, second Timothy chapter 2 the verse 20. It, it's too nice to read now it says that in a wealthy home there are dishes made of gold and silver as well as some made of wood and clay the expensive dishes are used for guests and the cheap ones are used in the kitchen or to put garbage in If you stay away from sin, you will be like one of these dishes made of purest gold. The very best in the house so that Christ himself can use you for his highest purpose. This is a deep version. Listen. There are two things no Christian can go beyond. You can never go beyond your prayer life. And you can never go beyond purity, your purity. God will never use you beyond your prayer life. And God will never use you beyond your purity. So your, your, your lack of purity is your own limitation. And when we talk of forgiveness, God has forgiven you. I've established that for a whole year. But when it comes to the purposes of God, where God will have to entrust you with the territory, who will have to entrust you with his resources to do spiritual business, you are disqualified. So these teachings you are giving is not to condemn you. No. It's to let you know that when you cry and go to God and say, I'm sorry, he will forgive you because he has forgiven you. But as far as his purposes, his high callings, his resources are concerned, he won't entrust you with it. He won't. I'm teaching God here. Did I bless you? You want to bow down your head for a minute. You want to pray two major prayers. Number one, you want to pray that Lord, help me to abide in your word. Lift your voice and begin to pray. Help me. To abide in your word. Help me to abide in your word. Number two, you are praying, Lord, help me to overcome anything that is holding me down from serving you. Help me to overcome anything that is holding me down from serving you. Help me to overcome anything that is holding me down from serving you.